You're listening to the CPHI podcast series. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Musad Al-Khalif, Associate Professor at the College of Pharmacy, King Saud University, and a consultant at King Abdullah Institute for Research and Consulting Studies. And today we'll be discussing how biopharmaceutical companies can unlock those undoubted opportunities presented by the proposed transformation of Saudi Arabia's health sector. Musad, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Gareth. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And likewise, it's a pleasure to have you with us here today. So first of all, let's take a look at the factors driving change in Saudi Arabian healthcare. Now, the government of Saudi Arabia has some big plans to improve its health system as part of the country's national transformation program. Musad, what's your assessment on the current challenges in the healthcare sector in Saudi Arabia? Well, that's a really good question to start with, Gareth. There are multiple challenges now facing the kingdom, and these challenges are actually driving the next phase of development in the health sector. I'm going to mention some examples of these challenges, but however, there are many more examples to that. First of all, the population of Saudi Arabia is rapidly growing. In fact, it is expected that by 2030, the population will increase by 28% to approximately become around 40 million people. Second of all, the demographic profile of the kingdom is quickly changing as well. By 2030, those over the age of 50 will increase by 201% to approximately 12.5 million. As you know, this demographic change will lead to an increase in the overall health demand for more frequent, advanced, and expensive treatments. The third challenge here is that with the ongoing increase in population number and in the change in the demographic profile, and the consequent change of lifestyle as well. There will be a nationwide shift in the disease profile from communicable to non-communicable diseases, such as diabetes, cardiovascular diseases, and cancer, resulting in more demand and pressure on the healthcare system. Having said that though, the risk of communicable diseases should never be underestimated as we all get to learn that the hard way this year with the pandemic situation. The fourth challenge in my view is that there is The healthcare system, the way it's built right now in Saudi Arabia, there is a dependence on the Ministry of Health as the largest provider of healthcare in the kingdom, accounting for approximately 60% of all healthcare services. Out of the remaining 40%, there is around 24% provided by the private sector and 16% by other governmental organizations like King Faisal Specialist Hospital and Armed Forces Hospitals, among others. These are some of the challenges, as I said, but there are plenty more challenges, but we'll leave that to a different discussion. Yeah, okay. I mean, you've identified quite a few potentially transformational factors already. In your view, what are Saudi Arabia's healthcare priorities over the, say, the next three to five year period? Under Vision 2030, Saudi Arabia is introducing a new strategy to fulfill public health needs through insurance-based financing and increasing private sector participation. The transformation is currently working across seven themes. The first theme is related to patient-centric model of care, which focuses on prevention and out-of-hospital care models. The second theme is insurance-based financing or health financing, which aims at moving from government-funded to insurance-funded system. The third theme is corporizations of health services currently provided by the MOH. As I said, the MOH is the largest provider of health services in Saudi Arabia. So this corporization will enable MOH to focus more on reform and providing strong oversight rather than providing the services themselves. 
The fourth theme is encouraging private sector participation. This will facilitate private sector involvement through ownership and management of Ministry of Health hospitals and services. Also, it actively supports the localization of pharmaceuticals, vaccines, and medical products. The fifth theme is the independent governance. This theme aims at separating the regulatory and delivery functions by creating independent provider networks with operational autonomy and greater accountability. So again, focusing more on making the MOH more of an oversight body rather than a service provider. The sixth theme is related to human capital, and we all know how important is that. The human capital, the aim here is to enhance the quality and quantity of workforce through increased capacity, more uh, rigorous licensing, and making profession more attractive to local human capitals. Lastly, the seventh theme is related to digital healthcare, and this would provide digital tools for patient self-service, prevention, unified patient records, workforce, and workforce efficiency as well. So that's a, a very ambitious program, and all these targets, they're going to have a profound effect on the pharmaceutical sector. Musad, what is the current situation of the uh, biopharmaceutical industry in Saudi Arabia? Is the government committed to extensively developing the life sciences sector? The current situation right now in Saudi Arabia, there is around 70 to 80% of all pharma products are imported. The pharmaceutical market is uh, worth approximately 8 billion US dollars, making it the largest pharmaceutical market in the GCC region. And the cumulative government spending on pharmaceuticals from 2017 to 2021 is expected to be worth 42 billion US dollars. With regards to the government commitment going forward, the government is definitely committed in developing life sciences sector. This is evident by the many policy changes that have happened over the past few years aiming at incentivizing the investors in the sector. There are many examples of these policy changes. I'm going to just mention a couple of examples. So previously, before 2015 or before 2016, foreign direct investment was not allowed 100%. Now it is allowed at 100%. So basically, you don't have to partner up with local companies or local manufacturers to have your business up and running here in Saudi Arabia. There are initiatives by the Saudi Arabian Industrial Development Fund. It's called Faxian Loan. And basically, this initiative aims at providing credible factories for your pharmaceutical manufacturing company and also providing you with a loan that goes with it in order to help you get your operations up and running. There are also the ready-built factories initiatives by Mudan, which is one of the uh, entities responsible for creating a functioning environment for pharmaceutical industry in Saudi Arabia. There are exemptions from export duties to 17 Arab countries. There are limited restrictions on currency exchange and transfer. There are no restrictions on sponsoring foreign employees. There is exemption from custom duties on imported machinery, equipment, and raw material used for industrial use. As I said, these are just some examples. And I honestly encourage people who are interested to know more about these initiatives or the other ones that I didn't mention to look at the uh, websites of Ministry of Investment, for example, and the National Center for Industry Development. You're listening to the CPHI podcast series. For the latest news, events and more, visit cphi-online.com. So, Musad, as I understand, the prescribing of generic products in Saudi Arabia has been lower than that of many other countries. 
Do you think we're going to see a major increase in generics uptake as curbs on healthcare spending continue and the population increases? In my view, the short answer is yes. In 2018, Saudi Arabia generic market was worth around 2.7 billion US dollars, representing around close to 35% of the total market. This is expected to increase by 2023 to become 4 billion US dollars, posting a compound annual growth rate of 8%. By 2030, however, generic drug sales will account for a substantial 43% of a total pharmaceutical expenditure in Saudi Arabia. So that's about 9% increase in total. This expected increase in the kingdom's generic market will be supported by the government policies, as I mentioned some of them before, that encourage the generic drug manufacturing and use. Okay, and currently about 30% of pharmaceutical products in Saudi Arabia are manufactured locally. What's the reason for that? I mean, is it down to a lack of biopharmaceutical manufacturing capability? Well, in my opinion, I wouldn't say that there is a lack of biopharmaceutical manufacturing capability in Saudi Arabia. As you might know, uh, multiple local manufacturers that have excelled over the past decades. What was missing, however, is an ecosystem that enables local companies to thrive more and attract international companies to join forces and invest here in Saudi Arabia. Since the commencement of the Saudi vision, we have seen some encouraging efforts in this area, and I'm sure that within the next few years, we will start seeing more changes that are tangible in the pharma industry in the kingdom, and we will see more of the pharmaceutical products being manufactured here in Saudi Arabia. And as you rightly say, building more pharmaceutical manufacturing capacity and infrastructure is obviously going to require some significant investment. In your view, Musad, what is the best way for Saudi Arabia to secure this, given the tremendous competition from low-cost production that's available internationally, for example, from Asian countries? This question should be addressed at multiple levels. First, in terms of strategy, Saudi Arabia should focus, in my opinion, it should focus on developing a diversified portfolio to increase the chances of success. And this is actually already happening and already being employed as Saudi Arabia has identified five focus domains in the National Transformation Plan. These include oral solids and sterile injectables, APIs, vaccines, other biologics and biosimilars, and plasma products. When you have that strategy, what follows is ensuring that all the projects and operations operate within this strategy are actually aligned to each other. So this will mean that all the entities involved, either governmental or private sector, have to come together and align their strategies toward achieving win-win situation for all. For example, policies imposed by different governmental entities have to be complementary to each other and not contradictory to each other. Similarly, biopharmaceutical companies should update and diversify their product portfolio to be in alignment with the market really needs, especially on the long term, rather than choosing to go with the easy wins and non-innovative products only. So let's imagine that the investment does come in. What's going to be the potential impact for Saudi Arabia of manufacturing biopharmaceuticals locally? The Saudi vision states that Saudi Arabia aspires to be a leading manufacturing and innovator of biopharmaceuticals in the MENA region. So the potential impact locally would include some things like enabling the transfer of key technologies and capabilities to ensure supply chain integrity of, uh, of critical products. And this has been especially important during the times of COVID-19. Increase the share of local production, which would consequently contribute to the uh, GDP. 
creating new jobs for Saudis and ensuring that they're qualified for it, supporting the development of thriving bioscience industry that attracts investment and innovation, which could become a driver for future value. These are some of the potential impacts. However, there are multiple more uh, that uh, we will see, inshallah. Okay, so you're an academic, a professor at the uh, King Saud University. Um, what role do universities such as yours play in the uh, research sector in uh, Saudi Arabia? King Saud University, as well as uh, other leading universities in the kingdom, have invested heavily in the training of its faculty and leading organizations around the world. It also worked on establishing high standard research facilities on campus. King Saud University has also very strong graduate programs in all disciplines that enroll thousands of grad students annually. All of these together has enabled King Saud University to take a leading position in research efforts in the healthcare industry in general. Also, there has been a shift in the strategic direction of King Saud University to become more research-oriented, which means that the King Saud University has to be even more active in the areas of research and innovation. It is worth mentioning, though, that other universities in the kingdom are also actively involved in the research sector. For example, um, research centers within KAUST, King Abdullah University of Science and Technology, and King Abdulaziz University, for example, among other universities as well, have partnered up with local biotech companies to facilitate their R&D operations, in addition to establishing collaborations with leading universities from all around the world to produce high-caliber research. So universities in general have played a great role, and I'm quite sure that in the future, this will be even better for everybody, inshallah. And finally, Masad, looking to the future, are there any healthcare or biopharmaceutical opportunities or challenges that you still think that need to be highlighted? So on my perspective, personally, I think that the major opportunities in the biopharmaceutical sector are partnerships with the academia for research and development purposes. We're still lagging on that. We started our baby steps, but however, I think the potential is much higher. And this is actually a very successful model that we have seen in leading countries around the world. Another opportunity is in the public-private partnerships with leading local biopharmaceutical companies, you know, to help them steer their direction for uh, more innovative technologies, as I think they might need some guidance in that. As for the challenges, I think what comes up is some of the regulatory reforms that need to be done to ensure that all regulations imposed serve the same purpose and not compete with each other. Another challenge that the kingdom has acknowledged and it's working on is with regards to human capital development. And that's not just on the sea level, but more importantly, middle management and operations level. Masad, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been really great to hear your insights. All that remains for me to say is thank you very much for listening and be sure to tune into our next podcast. Until the next time, goodbye. You're listening to the CPHI podcast series. For the latest news, events and more, visit cphi-online.com.